from the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello, welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We're honored that you're joining us today. I will forewarn you, we may have a little echo today. We were experiencing it as we were setting up. I believe it has to do with the compression of the sound that's being sent over. I'm overseas. Uh, I'm in Europe, so it will cause that problem once in a while. Before we dig into our topic for today, I wanted to mention the U.S. holiday that just passed. I guess I'm trying to make it a tradition here to acknowledge some of the historical events that affect many of our listeners. But as one of my prior guests reminded me this weekend, for many British citizens, this holiday gives them an uncomfortable feeling. Why? Well, the holiday commemorated on July 4th is U.S. Independence Day. This year was the 237th anniversary of that Declaration of Independence signed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1776. Listeners, record in a his old commemorative that triggered a war. The actual the U.S. founding fathers signed that Declaration of Independence. The British, what the U.S. to that date, were, let's say, happy. And thus, that uncomfortable feel for British citizens today. Now, several years ago, I was in Croatia when they were celebrating their day. And for anyone who remembers back 20 years, that was the day that Croatia became in it. To the contrary, that was the war with what, however, but earlier were all held together. No, a strong leader, Flavia, declared independence from Bosnia. The war began. Now, I wanted to share one key state declaration for the rights of investors, regardless of their citizenship, residence, or national allegiance. It's evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain aims. These are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Seems like you should have some sort of music in the While I read that, emphasize the pieces of it. All men are created equal, and does not exclude nor any races, any religions, nor sexual preferences. You see, we were all born with the same wealthy. The wealthiest people in the world were not born with a wealth DNA, nor the poorest born with a low DNA. We were all endowed by their creator. You see, our Creator did not endow some with higher wealth DNA or give others. And let's not forget certain alienables are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Oh, we are having echoes. Signal. Uh, all right, we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do about the sound. I'm going to try to move as little as possible. Picking up evidently echo, and we are having the line break up, but geez, uh, obviously I can't control actions, but let me best here, and I'll maybe speak slowly, which will help a little bit. If we need to, we'll break the show up two pieces. But anyway, those unalienable rights, including the pursuit of happiness, and that pursuit of happiness certainly includes each of us having the right and the privilege to become wealthy. Now, unfortunately, several billion people in this world won't enjoy some of those freedoms. But those freedoms are restricted by governments, and thus they don't have access to the free financial markets, the access to capital, nor opportunities to earn a sufficient income or create businesses to save and invest. And sometimes those freedoms are hampered by what they learned from their parents or their teachers 
their friends and neighbors and others who decreased their desire to become wealthy. Now, I certainly give thanks to the effort and struggles initiated by these U.S. forefathers. Well, that was just me. That wasn't just the uh, the signal. To create an environment for the growth of free enterprise and the ability to build wealth. You see, those conditions spread to many other countries throughout the world who learned from this experiment in the United States. Now, these days, I occasionally question whether this 207-year experiment in freedom and free enterprise will continue with some of the crazy things the U.S. government and other governments around the world have been doing recently. Fortunately, it won't crumble fast enough us to freedom during our lifetime. Now, the show, let's say in the second half of the 21st century, will know whether my concerns were accurate or I'm being pessimistic. Now, I'm hoping to make the overview of alternative investments we're doing today just as informative for those who listen to our entire series on the is it those yeah, no, it is periodic. It looks like it is just periodically the line is fading, and that is a feature of international lines, unfortunately. Uh, we compression to avoid a delay in the signal, and I think that's what's happening is that compression is catching up and not catching up. The, the challenge I've tried to create is whether or not you've listened to this full series on alternative investments. Uh, I want to make sure learn it. Now, I may have set myself quite a challenge. So, here's a thought. Maybe if I failed to accomplish that, I should give our listeners double their money back. What do you think? I've back about several of our shows on alternative investments, so it keeps us motivated to keep putting together shows that will help more of our listeners become millionaires, of course. That includes you. By the way, I'm tentatively scheduled to give a seminar on how the wealthy think. It'll take place in Poland, so if you happen to be based in Poland or traveling to Poland on July 20th, I'll give you the details. Now, it's just another one of those opportunities to reach a broader group of future millionaires. Unfortunately, the vast majority of savers and investors, even in the free world, will never make it to that group of millionaires. You see, they merely follow in the footsteps of other investors and stick to investment funds, which in the U.S. are called mutual funds, or they stick to stocks, bonds, and cash. On one of our uh, recent shows, I mentioned the reasons they do that, and I think it's worth repeating First of all, it's easy. See, they can even place their buy and sell orders from their home computer or even from a smartphone. Now, the second reason is that they just don't know any better. See, they don't listen to the Wealth DNA radio show. They don't know there are other alternatives. If they did listen to the show, they would know the downside of following the crowd. If they do what the majority of people do, their wealth will be on par with the majority of people. And as regular listeners know, 95% of the population will never be wealthy. So when you follow the crowd's footsteps, you'll end up just where the crowd does, struggling financially until the next paycheck or maybe the next Social Security check. Now, you may be wondering, am I just preaching to the choir since you're listening to this show? But there is a reason I'm bringing this up. If you know some savers or investors who stick with those three asset classes, remember their stocks, bonds, and cash, and don't listen to the Wealth DNA radio show, then you and I together share the blame for their financial struggles. And I'm sure you're saying, what? I share the blame? Well, 
it's obvious that I take some of the blame since I haven't done sufficient advertising, marketing, and promoting this show for those people to be aware of it. Or maybe if they heard of the show, they thought only to listen from the show. You learn what gets formed. Now, you share that blame with me since you haven't shared the links and given them sufficient reasons for listening. The choice is, as always, yours. Now, if there's a little bit of... Uh, maybe you should put together a list of friends and uh, basically send this link to them. It doesn't require much effort, but it might gain some new friends. We've been doing a series of shows on alternative investments, and today we'll give an overview of that series. No, it's not a summary. We're only 90% finished with this series. Inspire you to listen to some of the shows you might have missed. Now, in each show, we try to make sure we share some great investment and I share some more investment fundamentals or maybe tell you about some investments your broker doesn't want you to know about. This clear another of those days. You see, it's July 8th. In 2013, it's 9-11 a.m. in Phoenix, Arizona. That means it's 12-11 p.m. on the East Coast and 18-11 p.m., well, 18-11, which means p.m., of course, in continental Europe, where I am. And I'll be here for the next few weeks. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. The show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Now, I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show, or if you want to go back and listen to our prior shows, like the earlier ones on alternative investments, you can hear me right there on the archives. Where? www.wealthdna.us, where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, for those curious about the U.S. equity markets, after a rather choppy but positive couple of weeks, the U.S. markets are off to a positive start. Asia was down 1.3 to 2.4%, so pretty darn dramatic. But on the flip side, Europe was up 1.1 to 2.1. Actually, to 2.4. No, 2.1% is correct. And Brazil, like the U.S., is up. Now, we've seen more turmoil in the world recently, more than usual. We've had political turmoil in Syria and Turkey and Egypt, economic in Portugal, financial turmoil in the U.S. bond markets as interest rates increase, and we've seen turmoil with commodity prices, most notably a very significant decline in gold and other precious metal prices. Now, for some reason, the equity markets just seem to shrug it off occasionally dipping slightly and then continuing upward. I won't try to explain something this illogical, but it appears the only thing equity investors care about, at least in the short term, is the fact that central banks are printing money and trying to depress interest rates and currency values. Now, I suspect that most, if not all, of those investors understand the long-term effects of this money printing is actually negative I suspect be able to make it closer to that long term. And how they will know is anyone's guess. Now, the key reason turmoil is not to scare you investing or even to suggest that you exit the equity markets totally. No. The reason is it helps you understand why over one year ago we started of investments. It was even four years ago that each year bull market in U.S. bonds would end as soon as the U.S. Federal Reserve 
would stop its all-out effort to depress interest rates below market levels. Now, they had some good rationale, sounds but it's just the economy pitching the although bank lending has hardly been robust or even adequate. By far, there are more borrowers than there are institutions at these low rates. Now, it's pretty rare for me to jump in and defend the banksters, but in this particular case, I have to agree with them. I certainly would not lend on home for 30 or 3 months or lend to small businesses at some sort without the government guarantees. Now, frankly, even with those guarantees, I'd rather invest the money in stocks or for of the alternative investments. We'll talk. So if the companies or governments at these low interest rates don't invest in bonds for the last four years. Now, many of the guests their concerns about interest rates not being able to continue to decline, so they agree. Rates certainly won't go to negative levels where people would, let's say, pay banks or the governments to store their why we series of shows on alternative investments. So even if the rest of the world, the investors throughout the investor world were shocked and surprised, would be delightfully prepared. Now, the key theme behind each of the shows to date and the ones coming up, money you have available when you take profits in stocks or bonds. Not in a position of turn of invest are most important excuse me, most important for them or for you. So we choose the approach of sharing information. You as the final uh decision maker decide which ones you want to invest on your financial suit. And then again, come back and invest in and see if your financial situation changed. And maybe it was time adding more of the alternative investment. So let's some of those alternative investments and answer the top ten questions you're most likely asking. Now, if we don't address some of the key questions, you'll send a chat message in the chat window, the radio player. Now, I guess what I should do is, even before I dig into the first one, because I have a number of ten questions I want to answer for each, let me just uh, remind our listeners, you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki, and I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. If you miss some of the prior shows like these on alternative investments, or if you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on wealthdna.us. Now, if you'd like to get an email reminder of the shows, you can do one of two things, or both. Just send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. Sorry about that, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. And also, in the upper left-hand corner of the page, above the radio player, you'll see a picture of the boomer and the babe. And right under there is a follow button. They'll keep you informed of the great shows on the network. And reminder, during the radio show, we welcome you, our listeners, to ask questions. Just chart it, start a chat in the area below the radio player or call in 917-388-4162. And that, of course, is shown at the top of the screen as well. Okay, so the first show we did in this series was back in April 9th. I actually, I'll give you the actual dates I have them here. April 9th, 2012, when we talked about rental properties. You see, there are so many aspects to cover. We actually did that show in, the, in uh, two portions, and the second half was on May 14th. Now, what is this investment? Well, you either convert the home you've been living in, or you buy a property. You renovate it so it's attractive to appraise your potential tenants, and once you find your first tenants to move in, you're officially a landlord. Or as we prefer to say around here, 
a housing provider. Now, you certainly can also be the owner and therefore an investor in commercial property as resident of Rome. But commercial would hold hotels, retail stores, all the way up in the alphabet to warehouses. Now, where does investment belong in procurement? Well, or third level, and I'll say in most cases, I would treat investment for the third level of your pyramid. It could be on the second level if you've got no mortgage on that property and the property is unlikely to need significant additional investment in the near future. Now, of course, if you have no idea what I'm talking about when I mention the levels of your pyramid, you need to go back and re-listen to that show. We did that one on November 12th, 2012. Now, incidentally, that show was one of our multimedia shows, something that we developed here on the Wealth DNA Radio Show. So you can also download some diagrams to help you see as well as hear about these levels. You never thought you'd do that radio until you listen to this show. Now, what returns can you expect? Well, keep in mind, a rental property is a rarely a passive investment. So right up front, I have to remind you, there's a certain amount of your time you'll be expending uh, both renovating and checking new tenants. So your financial returns, though, despite this kind of aside from the time you spend, I'm not paying you for the time you spend on your own property, but your financial returns are 5 to 8%. And the more leverage you use, the higher the return. And most importantly, managing the property yourself dramatically affects the returns using a property manager. Oh, and I should add, of course, that with um, rental properties, it'll be broken down into uh, returns of both uh, kind of the monthly cash flow as well as appreciation. Ah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about some of the key risks, and of course that'll come up in here, uh, damage by your tenants or vandalism, which would mean you need to invest additional amounts to get the property back to some rentable status. And also vacancy. You see, when the property is vacant, you still have to cover all of the operating costs and, of course, your marketing and advertising costs. The next question, is there a correlation with stocks? The answer is simple. Generally not. There have, of course, been two exceptions. We saw it during the Great Recession and the Great Depression. So in an 80-year period, twice, there has been a strong correlation. Everything dropped. Next, is there a correlation with bonds? No. So while bonds drop, your rental properties will do just fine. Does it provide a hedge for inflation? Because that's one of the concerns we've talked about on this show I'll say almost continuously for years. As a matter of fact, I would say it's one of the best hedges since property prices will actually rust and rates rotation. How have investment in the lands we go they done? Well, obviously. Arizona area, the uh, rental rates have done uh, well. They've held up. I'll say they they haven't increased, but they have indeed concerned properties. Now, on the other hand, property values have risen dramatically, so you'll have some significant and that you have both the cash flow and the appreciation. Now, do you have to be an accredited investor? A key question with a lot of these alternative investments. The answer is simply no. And I guess this would be a good time to remind our listeners what we mean by accredited investor. Every once in a while, we try to remind you. And here's the official definition. A natural person or couple whose net worth exceeds $1 million dollars and that's excluding, or if you will, in addition to, the value of their primary residence. 
or a natural person with income exceeding $200,000 in each of the two most recent years, or joint income exceeding $300,000 for those years, and, very importantly, a reasonable expectation of the same income level in the current year. Now, in both those definitions, you can fit under either one. You don't have to fit under both. I mentioned a natural person. The reason is, if it's a trust and you move all of your investments through a trust, there's a different threshold. Assets have to exceed $5 million, so very significant. And then there's another threshold for people or management affiliated with the investment you're making. Other countries will obviously have a slightly different definition. They'll use their own currency, but in general, the intent and the thresholds are similar. Last, number 10, the question, how do you invest in rental properties? Well, first step, and this first step applies to every single one we'll cover today, and likely in part two of this overview, because I don't think we'll finish it all. You listen to the Wealthy Air Radio Show, and specifically the programs we did covering this topic. Then you can invest directly by buying a property, or working with a real estate investment company like the company I manage to find a property appropriate for you. With all of the investments we'll talk about today, you can use your self-directed individual retirement account. Now, I don't mean an IRA that's called self-directed as a marketing term. I mean a truly self-directed IRA. Now, if you're not sure what I mean by that, We'll go back to June of 2012 in the archive. And uh, that archive again in April. That's June of 2011. Next topic we covered in this series was investing in fix and flip properties. That show was June 11th. What is buying a fixer-upper property you're renovating it, and ideally it's to the point of being drop-dead gorgeous, but for not overspending for that neighborhood. And then you're selling it for a nice property. Now, during that show, and in my comments, on the project process, they're investing their time to earn money, much like people have jobs. So instead of a salary, they're earning a major success fee. And if the project isn't successful, the earnings may be negative. So think of this as a job not investing the money for that deal. That second investor is generally a private mortgage lender. And we'll talk about them very shortly. Where does this investment flip properties fit in the investment pyramid? Well, this is about the about it doesn't really fit well into the investment pyramid. Like you wouldn't fit your job or even a part time job in there. As the contractor or project manager, you have a job to do and may not even be being a it's not what return should you now keep in mind there's a very large expenditure of time and the contractor or project manager could lose everything they've invested or on the flip side could have an infinite return so rather than focusing on the rate of return let's talk about the amount you can earn as that project manager the rule of thumb we suggest is you should be able to earn 10% of the final sales price of that property. So if you expect the property to sell for $150,000, you should be able to earn $15,000. Not bad for some hard work. What are the key risks? Well, I think I've touched on them. Potentially, everything you if the project can't be sold at a pricing total in and if you used other people's money. Now, if you used your own money, you probably won't lose all of it. You will lose just the part that you're above the price you sold. 
And clearly, in that case, you won't earn anything for all the time you spent. So your wage rate was zero. Now, is there a correlation with the stock market? Well, just like with rentals, generally not. But we did see that correlation during the Great Depression and the Great Recession. Is there a correlation with bonds? No. You're perfectly safe doing fix and flips while the barn market tanks. Now, does it provide a hedge for inflation? Yes, but not quite as dramatic as with rentals. See, higher inflation means there's a better chance that the property will sell for more than your investment. And actually, if it takes you a little longer, you might actually earn a little bit more. How have these fix and flip properties performed in the last year? Well, again, it's dependent on where and, of course, on the property and on the contractor, but in general, they've done very well. And in our market, we're seeing the profits are getting squeezed and there, as there are fewer uh, distressed and below market price properties available. See, frankly, many of those below market properties have multiple offers submitted within days of being listed. So that low price starts ticking up. Competitive investor? No. Absolutely not, especially if you're not even putting your own money in. How do you invest in these fix and flips? This may be the toughest of the ones we'll talk about. But again, you're going to start by listening to the show we did, the investment strategy. Then you can either invest directly in a property or partner with others. But I will warn you, it requires a significant amount of training or experience in three things, finding, renovating, and marketing properties. We give you the full list in the show that we held. Now, when we talked, uh, after after we talked about the fix and flick properties, the next one we talked about, next alternative investment, was lease option properties. That show, June 25th, 2012. And what is this investment? Well, you own a property. You find it and granting them an exclusive option to purchase that property. For this type of investor, they often refer goals. Now, there are many ways to structure the debt, the pricing, and how much of the initial lease payments are credited toward purchase. As my mother outlaw used to say, there are enough different ways to do it. But very few people are familiar with that phrase of mother outlaw, father outlaw. So let me tell you what that means. They're merely the parents of an ex-spouse. Where would you put this investment in your investment pyramid? Well, it might be the second or third level, like rent. Only I would say, in this case, see the difference from your tenant buyers actually plan to own the home. They take much better care of it than a tenant would. Have a longer lease, so you seldom have vacancies, or if you do, you have another long lease following it. Now, it might be in the third level if you've chosen a lower quality, or your future buyers are expecting an unrealistically high price, and they're likely to fail. What returns back well, keep in mind, you are spending some time, like with rentals, as much as rentals. Expect returns. Are you ready for this? In the range of 10, 5%. And I'm including in there the property appreciation into your, since it's built into your pricing, it's real or term investment. So you're earning between 10 to 25% per year. You can see why our company likes these. And that means you'll have some time the property is vacant. And also, if you set a preset appreciation, the housing market may not cooperate with your planned appreciation. And you may have to trim your returns a little bit or wait a little longer. Is there a correlation with the stock market? Just like with the prior two. Generally not. But as with rentals, we saw it during the Great Depression and Great Recession. 
Is there a correlation with bonds? No, absolutely not. Does it provide a hedge for inflation? Yes, and a very nice hedge. Again, not as dramatic as rentals, but you're well covered for the inflation that's likely to come. Now, how have lease option properties performed in the last year? Very, very dependent on your location, but in the Phoenix area, performance has been great since prices are rising rapidly and banks continue to be reluctant to lend. So the lease option properties are very popular with future buyers. Being investor or absolute invest in these lease option properties. You know the first answer. You listen to the show we did on this investment strategy. The second is you can either contact my company since we specialize in strategy or you can invest directly in a property and set up your own arrangements. Our next topic was exactly one year ago. And that was July 9th and July 23rd. We had two shows. The first was private mortgage lending and the second, learn to earn a higher return. They were both multimedia shows. You get to download the outline or the presentation and you can follow as you listen, making it a lot easier to understand the total concept. Okay, what is this investment? Well, you're providing a mortgage loan and it can be either an owner-occupant or to an investor. And the best way to understand this is to realize you are the bank. You're providing a mortgage loan. Where in the pyramid does it fit? I believe it's the second level. Unless you choose to do some of the riskier, high-yield, hard money loans to investors where you're just looking at the asset, not paying attention to who the investor is, then put it in the third level. The vast majority of the ones we do are safer than bonds. So not only are they in the second level, in my view, they're much safer than bonds. You see, they're both secured by real estate and insured by two insurance companies. What returns can you expect on these safe investments? Well, as low as, I'd say about the low point would be 5%, and those would be extremely safe, up to about 18%. And obviously, as you get to those higher numbers, those investments are riskier, and you put them into your third level of your uh, pyramid. But even the riskiest ones, which you'll have in that third level, are generally less risky than owning stocks or owning real estate directly. Well, what are these risks? Your borrower defaults, and you need to foreclose and manage the exit from that property. Incidentally, if you do your private mortgage loan properly and your borrower defaults, you might actually earn more than you had expected. Is there a correlation of stocks? Just like other real estate investments, generally not. And again, the exception was during the two biggest economic downturns in the last two centuries. Is there a correlation with bonds? Very little. The exception being, if you choose to do a 30-year fixed rate loan, I highly discourage you from doing that, by the way, then you do have a correlation with long-term bonds. Does it provide a hedge for inflation? Yes, or absolutely yes. You see, as rates rise, you increase the interest rate you charge, and the risk the borrower defaults continues to decline. Have you How have they performed? Not you, but how have these investments performed in the last year? Well, they've been pretty steady. Each one of the private mortgage loans we've done are safer today than they were a year ago, and defaults are minimal. Do you have to be an accredited investor? No, just have enough money to provide that mortgage. How do you invest? Well, you know the answer to the first step. Listen to the two or more shows we had on this topic. And we actually had several more shows. We'll talk about some of those here shortly. Then you can contact us or let potential borrowers know you're interested in lending on real estate transactions and they will find you. All right, here we are at a kind of the next 20-minute point, so I guess it would be a good time to take a few minutes to uh, just
uh, not a few minutes, but a few seconds to uh, remind our listeners, especially if those uh, that just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealth Theater Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. And if the sound sounds either scratchy or it fades periodically, I am broadcasting internationally. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion of the archive, and if you missed prior shows, especially the ones we're talking about today, you can find them on the archive, wealthdna.us. Okay, then in October of 29, uh, of 2012, of course, not 2013, 2012, so we, we had our next show in the series on alternative investments. That show was on managed futures. Another one of our multimedia shows, there are some slides that you can take a look at while you listen. Okay, what is an investment in managed futures? Well, you're investing in some specialized trainers. Traders, trainers, okay, I'm okay today. Investing in specialized traders whose intent and their job is to earn high profits for you and avoid losses. Where does it fit in your investment pyramid? At the top level. These are high-risk, high-reward investment. What are the returns you can expect? 5 to 20%. And generally, you should not expect much in the way of losses ever. They really target to make sure the returns are positive. They'd rather have a steady 5% gain than they would plus 20, minus 20. What risks? Well, there is a risk of some minor loss and definitely variability. They will move around pretty dramatically, month to month, quarter to quarter, and even year to year. Is there any correlation with stocks? No, none. There will be, I'm sure, just pure coincidentally from time to time, but there is no reason to be correlated. How about with bonds? Again, none. Does it provide a hedge for inflation? Well, no, not really. But it's one of these, if you're earning far more the inflation rate and you don't have losses, it's kind of an implied hedge. How have they performed in the last year or so? The results vary dramatically depending on the trader and the strategy you've decided to invest in. Do you have to be an accredited investor? And I, I did not pick up in our show whether we talked about that, as I believe the answer is no. And the reason is that the a person you're buying, they're investing through, has to have these as registered securities. They have to be re- well, they, they have to be registered. So the platform you're working through is fully regulated, and therefore you should not have to be a um, accredited investor. Now, there are some that by just the pure scale, if the minimum investment is, let's say, 250000 or a million dollars, then no doubt in order to buy in, you have to be accredited. But as far as I recall, you don't have to be an accredited investor. How do you invest? Well, you know the first step. Start by listening to the show we did. And then contact somebody like Tom Foreman, or someone else. You cannot do these on your own. You have to, you need to work through a registered advisor. The next show we did in that series was in January 14th of this year, 2013, on crowdfunding and a very specific aspect of crowdfunding. What is crowdfunding? Well, first of all, for those listeners in 2013, it is new. As a matter of fact, it's so new they haven't written all the rules yet, which means it's not fully into effect until supposedly 2014. Nothing like government laws coming up and saying you now can do this. We'll tell you how later. What you're doing is you're making small investments. These are not allowed to be large investments. You're making small investments in various unregistered ventures. Ventures say, hey, I want to try to raise 25000 or 100000 or 500000 even, and then a number of different investors will put in money. I believe the limit at this point has been set to $10,000. At the same time, because it is new, you're actually not allowed to own an equity position through that. You can buy, uh, you could basically donate, you might get some little gift for it, 
or you might have a promise of buying some of their first products once they're available, or put, put at the front of the queue of buying them. Where does it belong in your investment pyramid? Clearly, at the top level. There's a good chance what you invest may just disappear. What are the risks? Well, consider it a donation. If uh, you like the idea and you want to support that entrepreneur, do it. And I'm not saying that all the um, crowdfunding initiatives will indeed be of that sort. A lot depends on when it rolls out sometime in 2014 or later, knowing how the government works. Is there any correlation with bonds? Well, there shouldn't be any. No history to tell. Uh, is it a hedge for inflation? Ah, here the future will tell us. We really don't know. How have they performed? Well, we're still waiting for the rules. We can't tell you how they performed until the rules are available. Anybody that has invested has at best received some sort of gift or promise of a future product. Do you have to be an accredited investor? No, and absolutely not, because part of the intent of this crowdfunding law, the whole concept behind it, was to help get investments from small investors to various ventures. How do I invest? Well, you can start by listening to the show we had on crowdfunding. And you'll have to do some research, because there just isn't any history or enough information to say how they will work or which ones are going to be available. The specific guest we had on that show in January had a very unique approach that I liked, which is he's going to set up the ability to be able to uh, buy shares in a company through his platform so that a company that wants to go public will have to register, go through all of the process, but use the crowdfunding concept of a lot of small investors not having to pay a broker, but to invest directly through a platform. So reducing the cost for everybody of a private placement, or actually even an initial public offering would be a better term, sorry. We will cover, I think, one more today, and then I think we will break uh, one because of the technical problem. Secondly, because we still have a lot of alternative investments uh, in our agenda that we just possibly can't cover them all. So let me cover the Master Limited Partnerships, which we did on the very next show after crowdfunding. That was January 28th. MLPs, Master Limited Partnerships. They're basically investments in natural resource uh, availability. These companies invest in the ability, it could be pipelines, it could be transport, to provide natural resources to the end user. Where do they belong in your pyramid? Well, they could be in the second level because they do provide a pretty steady income, but more likely in the third level since they are stocks. You are owning shares or units in that master limited partnership. They're not really shares, but nonetheless, they act like, feel like, and trade like stocks. So, important point there. These are registered securities. Virtually everything else we'll talk about on this show and on part two are not. What are the returns? Well, you should be able to expect, to, you should earn roughly what rental returns are, 5 to 8%, significantly better than what bonds will do. And that's one of the reasons we want the MLPs to be covered during this series. What's your risk? Well, there is a fair amount of variability, and uh, this year has been no exception. And so you have some risk of a minor loss, especially if you decide to buy and sell in a fairly short period of time. Is there a correlation with stocks? Yes, absolutely. This one is correlated because it is traded on the stock market. And therefore, if people aren't wanting to invest in stocks for whatever reason, or as the stock market goes up as it has in the last, well, I guess it's eight months now, then uh, it will they will head up. And, and, and the, as, as I'll mention, they have done very well along with the stock market. How about correlation with bonds, since they do pay a rate of return, much like bonds do, my answer would be some. As interest rates rise, these MLPs will be uh, less attractive unless they raise their dividends. But there's the difference. They can raise their dividends, whereas bonds 
apply to hedge for inflation? Yes, and I would say a nice hedge. That's another reason we wanted them in this series, even though they are registered securities available through your broker. How do they provide that hedge? Well, let's say it's a natural gas pipeline. Well, as natural gas prices go up, their charge for transporting it will probably go up. If the uh, if they're a shipping company, prices rise, they earn more. So if they are transporting in some way, and usually there's the ocean-based type transport, uh, let's say it's liquefied natural gas, an area that I want to uh, invest in, I've started to invest in, so there's a little bit of a hint. There's another case where they're going to be able to raise their prices as inflation increases. How have they performed? Well, I would say in the past year, great. We're seeing a little bit of slippage, just like we've seen the volatility in the stock market, although we're seeing these slip a little bit more. We've kind of reached, and I, I talked about it in one of the earlier shows, I think we hit a bit of a bubble on these as alternatives as people started to see these, uh, as investors started to see the interest rates rise. I think they started to see these as a great alternative, whether they listen to the show or they just happen to happen on that same uh, idea on their own. Uh, more people stepped in, more investors stepped in, and the prices rose pretty nicely. So we are seeing some downtick. And specifically, one of the MLPs that Jason Slade, our guest on that show, had suggested uh, that their company likes, and still likes, by the way, was Lin Energy, uh, symbol L-I-N-E. That has slipped very dramatically. It's a matter of fact, three or even longer year lows. So my investment, I basically continue to invest more as the prices drop, the, the strategy I use often. So I still have confidence in the company. Uh, there's all sorts of articles saying that they're uh, paying out more in uh, distributions. By the way, we call them loosely dividends, but they're not with master limited partnerships. We touched on that in the show. But uh, they pay out more than they're actually having operating earnings. Well, that's not a particular problem in the short term. Obviously, in the long term, their operating earnings have to catch up or they would have to decrease that distribution uh, or continue to borrow to pay it if they're borrowing cheap. It's not necessarily a big deal. So I'm not terribly worried, but at the same time, the market has reacted very negatively on Lin Energy, and some of the others are starting to follow suit. Do you have to be an accredited investor? Well, no. And again, since these are registered securities available through your broker, you can buy them just like you would through um, uh, that same broker, or you can buy them online through your online brokerage. How do you invest? Well, I just touched on that, but I forgot to mention that first step. First step is to listen to the show that we did with Jason. And then the other is you can buy them through your broker. And if you don't have a good broker to help you advise on these things, you've been doing a lot of things on your own, talk to Jason. He's a guy I feel very comfortable with. I think we will call that a wrap for today. I'll make a note there. So we will cover the remainder of the alternative investments we've covered so far, plus, of course, those that we'll cover in upcoming weeks when we have a break between shows. So consider this part one of our alternative investments. And I'd like to do a little bit of a summary. Hopefully my voice is not fading. I just moved around a little bit. My apologies. A little bit of a summary just to cover some of the key points from today's show, especially since we've had some uh, sound problems. First of all, I can safely bet that your financial advisor did not tell you about the opportunities we talked about today. The opportunity to diversify your portfolio and invest in some of these alternative investments. Why do I think they haven't? Well, you see, if you allocate some of your portfolio to these alternative investments, it leaves less, less for them to earn a commission or fees on. Now, there is one that we talked about today, and another we'll talk about on the part two that are exceptions. Those are MLPs, which we just talked about, and gold, since financial advisors do have these within the products they offer. There's also an increasing number of ETFs, recall those are exchange-traded funds, which allow you to invest in commodities. And, of course, REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, which allow you to invest in commercial real estate. There is really no practical one at this point in time. If you have been setting it up, I'm not real confident they're going to be any good uh, on, on investments in residential real estate. But, uh, nonetheless, there are a number of commercial real estate REITs. 
if they do say they're they're residential, that means they're doing apartment complexes, people where people live, but they're not residential investments. Now, that probably the fact that your investment advisor didn't tell you about these alternative investments is probably why you listen to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. And we certainly are honored that you choose us as a source for solid and hopefully unbiased advice. We're clearly not biased by commissions or by advertising revenue, so I think we're unbiased. We definitely try. In, investing in alternative investments is not for everyone, and I try to emphasize that on each of our shows. It may require you to be an accredited investor. On most of the ones we talked about today, you do not, unless, of course, the minimums were very high. So you, in those cases, if it does require a accredited investor, you have to have sufficient annual income or sufficient assets. But keep in mind on the flip side, part of our objective of this show is to make sure that all of our listeners become accredited investors. And as I've often mentioned, our objective is to help one million listeners become millionaires. And unless the definition changes dramatically, as a millionaire, you'll qualify. Now, another reason some alternative investments are not for everyone, some of them have a risk that you'll have to actually increase your investment beyond the initial amount. When you buy a stock, they don't call you and say, hey, things are slipping a little here. Can you send a little more cash? But on some of these, you can, especially if you own real estate, and occasionally even when you're a real estate lender, when the borrower defaults. And when you're an investor in angel or venture capital, you may need to invest in additional, additional amounts as well. See, when a company's on the brink of a major success, but doesn't have sufficient capital to pay its operating expenses, each of the investors in that company face a dilemma. Do we invest more and increase the chances of this company's success, or do we take our losses now? And another point I'd make is that MLPs didn't fit the traditional definition of alternative investments since they are publicly traded and registered securities. Although, Given the biggest risk that millions of investors will face in the next few years, and I've already seen a foretaste of in the last two months, or the potential could even be over the next several decades that interest, increasing interest rates and thus the decline of their bonds, well, we wanted to make sure that we covered some good investment alternatives. See, my favorite to be able to get a steady regular income that bonds provide, but to avoid those bonds. My favorite happens to be private mortgage loans. My next favorite, MLPs. So I wanted to make sure we covered both as practical alternatives to bonds. Now, on our next show, we have as our special guest, Philip DeMuth. Let me spell that. Philip, of course, you'd know. D-E-M-U-T-H. Very simple, DeMuth. The author of a very recent book, The Affluent Investor. So we plan to talk about how these wealthy investors allocate their portfolio. And although I haven't done the show yet, I can pretty safely predict they have a significant allocation to alternative investments. Then in future shows, we'll cover several more alternative investment topics, including commodity trading and forex trading. So I just shared with you several good reasons to make sure you tune into the Wealth DNA Radio Show. Every second and fourth Monday, and we'll continue to share the investment fundamentals and some great investment ideas like the ones you heard about today. I tried to cover as many as we could in the time and given our technical problems. And most importantly, we want to inspire you to be as wealthy as you want to be. Now, that next Wealth DNA Radio Show with Philip DeMuth is the fourth Monday of July. Monday, July 22nd, 9 a.m. Arizona time, same station, same time even if you're not currently affluent, listening to and learning uh, from our next show will accelerate your progress to becoming affluent. I know you'll learn a lot by joining us. Now, as I've mentioned, I've tentatively scheduled to give a seminar on how the wealthy think differently. That seminar will take place in Poland, July 20th. So if you're in Poland that day, send an email and I'll give you the details. Just another opportunity to reach a broader group of future millionaires. And let me remind you, the archive of past shows is available on www.wealthdna.us. If you have some suggestions or questions, whether about these alternative investments or other investment topics, 
Or if you haven't received emails reminding about this show, just send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. See you in two weeks. Happy investing. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.